Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Point Pentecostal Church. I'm glad you could join us. This message was from the first Sunday of the year, January 2nd, 2022, when our senior pastor taught on the significance of communion, and we took communion together. It was a great time, and so I pray you're blessed by this message again. Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter seven, uh, chapter 26, and beginning at verse 17. And today, you can, you can remain seated. Um, we're going to begin in Matthew 26 and 17. I'm going to be reading very lengthy. That's why. But while you're uh, turning there, today we are taking part in communion. And you may ask, you know, what is communion? And, and why are we setting it aside time to do this? And those are really good questions. That's a really good question. And, and I, w- I want to attempt to answer that from the Bible today. And my, and my desire is to briefly but carefully help you understand the doctrine of communion. And hopefully, we will then understand the significance and the special nature of this sacred event. The best way, however, to get a complete understanding of communion, which is also known as the Lord's Supper, is to start in the place in Scripture where it was first instituted in Matthew chapter 26, and we'll begin at verse number 17. Now, let me say this uh, while we're going to read this. Um, We do communion at at least once a year. We typically at the beginning of the year, sometimes we'll do it. The Bible doesn't say how many times in a life that you need to do it, how many times in a year you need to do it. Um, There was a time that we had considered doing it monthly, um, and, and just because I believe in this, it's so significant, it's so powerful. Um, but there's also that side I never want it to become common because it's such a sacred thing that when we do it, we have really set aside for it and we've really focused in on that. And that's why, you know, I am saying today that if for those that are online and not here, we're going to do this in the fellowship hall next week because I think it is important that everyone participate in communion uh, to start out the year. Amen. Verse number 17. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? Verse 18, he replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near and I'm going, uh, is near, and I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. You may notice I'm reading the New King James. Uh, So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When the evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Verse 22, they were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, surely not I, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it was written about him, but woe, un, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Verse 25, then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. Verse 26, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and offered it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood 
This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Verse 29, I tell you, I will not drink of the fruit of this vine from now until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Amen. I'm, I'm going to teach for a few moments on communion, remembering his sacrifice. And I want you to pray with me for just a moment. Uh, maybe you've taken, never taken it. Maybe you've taken it a few times. Maybe you've taken it hundreds of times. But I'm going to pray that as we get into this lesson for the next few moments, that God will open our understanding and touch us fresh, and give us fresh revelation of the significance of communion. Would you pray with me right now? Jesus, we're so thankful for the sacrifice that you made on Calvary. And Lord, I thank you that you left with us the institution of communion so that we could physically partake in symbolic nature of the sacrifice that you made for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, I pray for every person in this house that you would open our understanding, that you would touch our heart and our spirit, Lord, that you would renew this fresh in each and every one of us, Lord, that here in just a few moments when we partake of this supper together, Lord, that, that it would be so fresh in our life that we would be ever grateful and we would be ever mindful of the sacrifice you made and how much that you truly love us and desire communion with us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Jesus was about to be crucified and was sharing the Passover meal with the disciples. The Passover is a time that the Jewish people set aside to remember their deliverance from Egypt. Remember that Egypt is a type of the world or sin. And so to the New Testament believer, this has tremendous significance. Moses had been sent by God to lead the people out of Egypt, but Pharaoh resisted, and God sent ten plagues upon Egypt. The last of these plagues was when the angel, the death angel, would pass through Egypt and take the life of the firstborn son of every family. And the only way to escape the death angel from taking the firstborn child of every family was that they were to take the blood of a lamb and put it on the doorpost of the house. When, the, when God came through Egypt and he saw the blood, he made a covenant. He said, when I see the blood, I will pass over your house, and the death angel will not enter into your home. And so when they put the blood on the house, the firstborn of that family was spared. At the Passover meal, the people were to eat three things, roasted lamb, Unleavened bread, that's bread with no yeast, like a, like a cracker or something like that. Uh, and bitter herbs, amen. I, I don't like bitter anything. You, you notice God didn't design a meal that was trying to get Michelin star rated or get in restaurant reviews. He had significance to what he was doing. And it was required that you eat all of it. So I don't like lamb. You liked lamb on that night. I don't like unless you liked it on that night. You remember sitting at grandma's table and you had to eat whatever was on your plate. You that that came from the Bible. Amen. You had to eat every, you had to eat the bitter herbs that were disgusting. You had to eat the lamb and you had to eat the unleavened bread. As Jesus sat with his disciples, 
Those three ingredients, those three things were on the table. And using these foods, he began to prepare the disciples for the crucifixion that was just about to happen. Jesus picked up the bread and he broke it. He then explained to the disciples, just as this bread was broken, he said, I'm going to be broken too. Then he picked up the cup of wine and explains, this wine is symbolic of the blood that is going to be shed for the sin of mankind. In other words, Jesus instituted what is commonly known among us as the Lord's Supper. So what are we remembering today when we partake in the Lord's Supper? Well, today when you pick up the communion set and uh, we have it to where it's in a cup and the wafers on top of it together, it is supposed to remind you that Jesus Christ is the bread of life and that his body was given to be broken. It is to remind you, amen, that he was without sin, but he took our place on the cross. As Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2 and 24, he himself bore our sins and his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds or by his stripes, you have been healed. When we eat the bread today, and you hear the crunch of it between your teeth, that distinctive feeling and sound. It is supposed to remind you of his body that was broken, the stripes that was laid upon his back, the nails that pierced his hands and feet. It's not supposed to be a meal that is pleasant and appealing to the palate. It is a meal that is supposed to remind our soul of the price that Jesus Christ paid for each and every one of us. True communion will bring out tears of joy that's okay to weep during communion. It's okay to rejoice during communion. It's okay to let God move through you. I've been in communion services where people took it and they were laughing and joking. That's not communion. There was a large church some time back that their communion meal, they did hot dogs and Kool-Aid. That's not communion. That's, that's absolutely sad that they would think that it's supposed to be a meal of uh, convenience. It's a, that's why we are calling a solemn assembly today. That, that's why the service is focused different today. That's why this is not just a service and we put communion in it. We are focused on this today because it is so important that our mind, our heart, and our spirit is right and ready to receive communion. When we are remembering that it was supposed to be me that was upon that cross. We're remembering when we bite into the body and we drink of that blood. We're supposed to remind ourselves that it was me that deserved to be upon that cross because I am the one who is guilty of the sin. I'm the one that said it. I'm the one that did it. I'm the one that thought it. But a perfect, spotless, sinless lamb took my place in Jesus Christ. And when I take communion, I am remembering that's supposed to be me but he loved me enough. He took my place. His body was broken for me. 
We're supposed to remind ourselves as we drink that little uh, uh, bit of juice that, that that is the blood that poured from the body of Jesus Christ as it was being broken. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed for the remission or the cancellation of your sin and my sin. And Hebrews 9.22 says, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And when you take a sip of, of the fruit of the vine here this morning, you're supposed to remember that you have been washed in the waters of baptism in Jesus name because that washing in baptism washed away your sins that water is symbolic of the blood of Jesus Christ amen and when you take of the body and the blood you're supposed to remind yourself I have a covenant with God through baptism in the name of Jesus Christ as you drink the blood you're supposed to be reminded that the blood of Christ has taken away my sins and that's why here in a moment we will have a time of repentance for a few minutes because you need to have sin out of your life before you partake of the blood and the body of Christ and I'll tell you about that more in, the mo in a moment historically there have been three major views about what happens to the bread and the juice during the Lord's Supper the first is transubstantiation, that the bread and juice become the real blood and the real flesh of Christ. And there is consubstantiation, that the presence of the Lord comes to be with us when eating the bread and drinking from the cup as we remember. Then there is memorialism is the third one, that the bread and the cup are only symbolic reminders of Christ. Now I want to state emphatically because it's very important, we do not believe in transubstantiation. We do not believe that the bread and the juice literally becomes the flesh of Christ and the blood of Christ. We believe that taking of the Lord's Supper, we will experience by faith the presence of Jesus Christ in our life, consubstantiation. That the bread and the juice are symbols of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made to set each one of us free from our sin. Remembering that sacrifice should be a cause within every one of us of thanksgiving to the Lord and to become more aware of his presence that is here right now with each and every one of us. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 28, said a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. And that's what we're about to do. We're about, we're about to pray and ask God to hold up a mirror to us spiritually so we can examine ourselves we used to sing an old song that said Lord shine the spotlight of heaven on me search in me see if there be any wicked way in me that's what we're we're not coming to prayer and saying God I messed up but it was their fault own it it's my fault amen we set a time, aside this time to sharing the Lord's Supper. We're not just fulfilling a ritual or some rite of the church. Today is the time to set aside for reflection and self-examination because before we take communion, we will spend time in prayer. Why do we do this? Because before Paul declared that a man ought to examine himself, he said, this is what he said in verse 27, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everybody say unworthily. None of us are truly worthy. 
None of us are truly worthy to participate in the Lord's Supper. None of us have been good enough to earn a spot at the table, per se, to be able to eat of the flesh and drink of the blood. But when Paul is talking about this, he is speaking that in a, a, about unworthily means it ought not be done haphazardly. It ought not be done in a rush. In other words, you ought to take your schedule and your timing and throw it out the window and say, I will take of the Lord's Supper when my spirit is right with God. Amen? Not in a rush. That's why this morning we've set everything aside. There's no praise team. There's no usher team. There's no, not, we have set it all aside today to say, Lord, we've come to focus ourselves on this beautiful thing that we're about to participate in communion with you. Paul was saying, don't, don't take of this unworthily. It's because then he says, if you do, you will, you will eat and drink damnation unto yourself. I think we've, we're losing the fear of God in the church today. See, well, I don't believe in a God that'll damn people. Well, really, people damn themselves by not obeying the word of God. It's tragic that I hear it more and more from pulpits every day. I don't preach a God that will send people to hell. Well, that's, you're, you're correctly preaching. God don't send people to hell. People sin and send themselves to hell. God just honors his word. He gives us every opportunity. Every opportunity. I submit to you, it is harder to be lost than it is to be saved. To be lost, you got to wake up every day knowing God loves you with an unbridled passion. He pursues after you. He wants relationship. And every day, you got to wake up and cast that aside. To be saved, all you got to do is wake up every day and say, Lord, I embrace your mercy that you made for me brand new this morning. I thank you for your grace and you walk in it according to his word as best you can. And the Holy Ghost will help you make up the difference. Amen. Amen. Paul basically is saying that if we eat the bread and drink the cup without taking time to reflect on the seriousness of the cross, we are entering into the guilt of those who crucified him in the first place. So how do we act in an unworthily manner? Well, Scripture gives us seven ways that we can participate unworthily in the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians 11 and 18 says, having envy or strife in your heart makes you unworthy. Verse 19, to see the Lord's Supper as a mere ritual with no spiritual significance will make you unworthy. Number three is found in verse 22. If you have irreverence to God and the church, it'll make you unworthy. If you have disrespect for the poor or the needy, it makes you unworthy. Number five, unbelief in the significance of Christ's sacrifice for humanity in verses 27 through 30 would make you unworthy. Number six, having sins in your life that you have not repented of and asked forgiveness for makes you unworthy. Verses 31 through 32, and finally, uh, number seven, not examining our life and relationship with Christ makes us unworthy. Now, let me make it clear, I am not the one to judge anyone who can or cannot participate in communion and in the Lord's Supper. However, I think it is imperative that we're about to take a few moments and we're about to pray and repent of sin and ask the Lord to examine our heart. That way, we will know whether we're worthy or not. 
So let me kind of put this thing in a nutshell this morning as Brother Matt comes. The Lord's Supper is a process. It's a process of four things. Number one, looking back. We look back. We look back at the cross and the significance made by Jesus on our behalf. Number two, we look within. We examine our life, our actions, our motives, and our spiritual condition and seek God in true repentance. Number three, we look outward. Participating in communion helps us to put into perspective our need for the body of Christ. No man is an island unto themselves. You hear me? You cannot be saved by yourself. You need the body of Christ. We need each other. I need you. And I'm not just saying that. I need you. And guess what? You need me. Look at the person beside you. You need them. Look at the person behind you. You need them. Look across the church. You may not even know them, but you need them. And guess what, honey? They need you too. And we need to look to we need to look out to a lost and a dying world who is lost in the depravity of sin. And we need to look at them and their spiritual condition. And realize they need the saving blood and body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, number four, we look ahead. We look ahead into this new year. Participating in communion helps us to look ahead to the new year, to our place in the new year, and to the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth. When we will have true and everlasting communion with the risen Christ. I want you to stand with me today. We're going to repent. And every year, I, when we do this for the rest of the prayer revival, and I, I want to say this to our guests. We are so glad you are here with us this morning at Grace Point. Thank you. This is what prayer revival is for the next two weeks. It's different, but we come in and we pray. Tuesday night, I'll teach for a few minutes, and then we'll pray. I'll teach, we'll pray. It's focused prayer for things God has given me to share with you for the year. All right? But right now is repentance. Let me tell you what repentance is not. Repentance is not worship. I am surprised at the amount of mature believers that do not know how to repent. They think repentance is glory to God, I love you. That's that's praise and worship. Repentance is a confession of guilt. Asking God to forgive and making a declaration with intent that I'm going to stop sinning. How many times have you had somebody do something and say, oh, I'm sorry, and then go do it again? And They were sorry they got caught. They weren't sorry for what they did. And they did over and over. So we turn repentance in modern church into just say, well, God, I'm sorry. You have to forgive me. Where is the intent? We need to have the intent. God knows the thought and the intent of our heart. So we pray for, let me tell you what else repentance isn't, but 
believers, listen. Repentance is not speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What happens is we don't know how to print, to repent. So we just say, Lord, forgive me. And about 30 seconds later, we just start worshiping or start speaking. We need to slow down and repent. Well, Pastor, I don't want to hear people hear me about my sin. You know what is in your head and your heart. God knows it, but confess it out loud. You need to say, Lord, I'm sin. I typically say you need to use this model for repentance. And I will pray it aloud through the microphone before I back out. I will say, Lord, forgive me for the things that my mouth has said. Start there. Because some of us, daily, we need to repent of our mouth. And we put ourselves on the altar. Don't forget to put your tongue on it too. Forgive me, Lord, for the things I've said. Lord, forgive me for the things I've heard. The entertainment I've allowed to entertain me that was not pleasing. Listening to gossip, dirty jokes. Those still aren't right, folks. Lord, forgive me for the things my eyes have seen. Inadvertently and advertently and intentionally. Forgive me, Lord. Lord, forgive me for the thoughts that I've thought. Forgive me for the desires that this heart has had because your heart's wicked. The Bible says it's deceitfully wicked. Forgive me for the desires of this heart where I lusted after money or fame or illicit relationship. Forgive me. Say things like this, Lord, I confess today you're right and I'm wrong. I have trespassed your word. I have violated your word. And I need your mercy. And I need your grace. And the Bible says, if we repent, he is both faithful and just to forgive. So we're going to spend a few moments in reflection and in repentance. And I want you to slow down and I want you to think about what you're saying. For the next few moments, you can stand, you can kneel and make your chair an altar. If you wanted to come to the altar, down around the front, you want to kneel and pray, that's fine. But I want you to, don't rush through this. Slow down. Say, God, forgive me for sins I've committed knowingly and unknowingly. If I violated your word and I didn't know about it, Lord, I want to cover that. For the things I violated in your word that I knew I did, I'm sorry. And Lord, if you'll help me, I'm not going to do that again. You need to make statements like, as you do, you know what will happen? God, with his your Holy Ghost, just start touching things in your life. And you'll go, oh, God, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for the way I treated that person at Thanksgiving. Oh, God. Oh, I'm t- oh, God, I should have done that last week on the job. I said that to my coworker. I should. The Holy Ghost will start tapping things in your life. Slow down and let the Holy Ghost work on you. We're not going to rush through this. See, as fast as we can get through it. We're going to let the Holy Ghost move because a mature church, revival church, is a repentant church. If my people which are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, repent, turn from their wicked way. That's what we're doing right now. I want us to lift our voice. I'm going to lead you in repentance for just a moment. I'm going to back out. And I want you to lift your voice and I want you to petition the throne of God for grace. You don't have to beg for it. Just ask for it and he will give it. He'll give it freely. As you sing, why don't you to lift your voice right now. 
in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come to you today in need of your mercy. I know you are a compassionate father. Lord, I know you have pity upon your children. That Lord, I come to you this morning. I come to you this morning as a sinner. I come to you as a fault-filled I come to you as a man who has trespassed your word. And Lord, I need you today to forgive me of my sin. Lord, I need you to forgive me, oh God, of my sin. Lord, I need that blood that you shed upon Calvary's cross to be applied to my life. Lord, it isn't my shortcoming, it's my sin, Lord, I need you. I need you to forgive it, Lord. Lord, would you forgive me, God, for the things that my hands have done that were not pleasing to you, Lord. God, if these hands or feet found mischief, oh God, I want you to forgive me, oh God. I want to be a worker of righteousness and not iniquity, Father. Thank you for joining this podcast. We pray it was a blessing to you, and we're so grateful that you could join us today. We want to stay connected with you, so please subscribe in your podcast player and leave us a review. You can also find us on Facebook at GP Woodland or on our website at gpwoodland.com or on YouTube with Grace Point Pentecostal Church. Let's stay connected, and we will see you next time.